Hello and welcome to the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Do keep in mind that we have other resources and information available at our website. If you wish to hear other English audio messages, they are available for free at our website and also as podcasts or iTunes. Look for us in the Apple iTunes store under the Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Word of God has incredible value where we can learn all kinds of things. One of the many great things the Word of God provides is history. Within the pages of the Bible, we can read of many different experiences, the life of different people, and be able to see both the good as well as the wrong and evil things they did. God left that for us so they could serve as our examples, so we can understand what happens when we do right and when we do evil. This is the best form of teaching, to be able to teach principles and concepts and to be able to see examples of what happens when you do or do not apply those principles and concepts through the real-life experiences of those that preceded us. Please stay with us as we look together into what God's Word has to say about this. Let us go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory be to you. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you are worthy to be praised and exalted above all things. Lord God, there is no one like you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray as always that you please forgive my sins and my wrongs, O Lord. Please, O God, always remember me in your mercy and in your grace. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. And thank you for the forgiveness that we can have through him. Heavenly Father, I praise you and I ask you now humbly, Lord God, that you may please guide us to your word and to your Holy Spirit, O Lord. Help us to be able to have soft hearts and, Lord God, open minds to be able to take in what you want to tell us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to understand the examples that your word gives us and that we may be able to follow them to be able to follow those examples of good and of blessing. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that's listening. I pray, O oh God, that you may bless them and that you may enlighten them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our scripture passage reading today is found in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 1 to 12. This is the word of the Lord. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed him, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in one day twenty-three thousand fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. 
One question that may come up is, what is our relationship to these people? How can they be our fathers? We are taught in the Bible that Jesus Christ did something that was unthinkable in the past, that through his person, he united both the Jew and Gentile through the vehicle of faith, if you will. God explained through the law and the prophets that his people were not to intermingle themselves with people from other nations because of their heathenism. And these were the Gentiles, people that are not of pure Israelite lineage. But more clearly, it was always advised to the people of Israel that they should not get involved with people that did not believe nor follow the Lord. So there was a defined barrier between both that only faith could break. But now, and through his sacrifice, everything has been made that much more clear between both groups, such that we can now have a well-defined relationship to the point that through the cross, he made possible for the two groups of people to become one nation, one people united through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16 explains it this way, where it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, speaking of Jews and Gentiles, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross thereby putting to death the enmity. And so, what is the binding tie between both groups, even before Christ? What is the vehicle that God uses to map out this union? Abraham, the father of faith. The Jews always thought of themselves as being unique and separated because of what God did with Abraham, where God made a covenant with Abraham that he would make him a father of a great nation. But what God did with Abraham was never based on works. It was based on faith. Genesis chapter 15 tells us this, where it says, Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted to him for righteousness. And so what God did with Abraham was never work-driven, nor was the intention for the promise to be really made through flesh lineage but rather through a spiritual lineage. The people that would become children of Abraham would be made children of Abraham through faith because Abraham believed in the Lord as it was written, and that is what God accounted to him. Romans chapter 4, verse 16 to 17 also explains to us even further this concept where it says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And so Jesus came to ratify, to once and for all establish that faith in God is what makes the spiritual union possible. That all of us who come to faith in the Lord will become part of a single nation, one unique group to form His church where all divisions and incompatibilities would be done away with forever where faith brings us all together. So having said all of this, we should be able to understand now that everyone who has taken unto themselves faith in Christ we are all then children of Abraham and ultimately children of God. 
But through this, we need to then take heed to consider that the things that happen to our fathers for good or for evil may happen to us if we are not careful, if we do not follow the Lord faithfully. This is one of the main reasons why the Bible explains that we cannot take our salvation in Christ for granted. When we take things for granted, we just don't take care of them as we should. And when you are not careful, then that is when the drifting away starts, when sin starts to take over in our lives. We can never fall asleep at the wheel, so to speak. To follow the analogy, you may have been given a spiritual car to drive to your eternal destination. But you need to stay on the road that Christ paved to get to that destination. But there's no autopilot in this car because God has not removed free will. Because free will is what makes the love relationship possible. God has installed warnings on the edges of the road so that you can take notice of when you're veering off the proper direction, like his Holy Spirit and his word. But yet, he has not installed unbreakable barriers to keep you on the road because, again, free will is still in effect. And so you cannot afford to fall asleep at the wheel. That is why the Bible says that we are to watch. We are to see, to be alert, to be vigilant, to stay focused. Romans chapter 11, verse 20 to 24 gives us this warning. So we don't take salvation for granted. So we stay on course where it says, well said, because of belief, they, speaking of Israel, were broken off and you, the believing Gentile, stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, speaking of Israel, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell, severity. But toward you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. If is a big word here because it implies a very conditional sense. Otherwise, you also will be cut off and they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? So you see, we can never take our faith in Christ, our grace-provided new position in God's kingdom for granted. It is imperative that we be careful, that we be occupied in the things of God, that we ultimately abide steadfastly in Christ, as we are directed to look at what happened to others before us. This is one of the major problems that many people have. Many people live with the notion that they are exempt somehow from the consequences that other people suffered, like they have some sort of special exception. There is a specific group that suffers from this in a humanistic kind of way, for example. They are called teenagers. Those of you that are parents and have gone or are going through this issue right now know what I'm talking about. A lot of teenagers know everything, right? You tell them to be careful with something, they know. You explain to them certain risks, but they don't believe you because they know everything. You may share with them certain experiences and why they should be careful with certain things, but in their minds, they think that those things happen to you because you were not as smart as they are. Everything will be fine with them, no matter what they get into, because they feel they are smarter, better prepared, or just special, right? There is this thing that happens, this phenomena that occurs between childhood and teenagers many times where they feel they gain special knowledge, special powers, where they feel that where others have failed, they will succeed. 
They are unique, special, wonderful, amazing, and have invisible capes and boots, or spandex, depending on the superhero they're pretending to be. You know what I'm saying, right? They think they are smart and independent, but somehow they forget that if they have a roof over their heads, it's because you provide that to them through your hard work. If they have food to eat, it's because dumb mom or dad or both dumb parents work to have those things there for them every day and many times a day. The clothes they wear, the shoes they buy, all compliments of the less than talented people they tear down because they feel they are smarter and independent. If you are parents, I know you're doing a lot of head nodding right now and probably smiling because you may be going through this little stage right now. It can be frustrating, right? Of course it can. Nobody likes ingratitude and it is rather difficult to deal with people that have no sense of reality. Now, Let's stop picking on teenagers for a moment. How about those people that think like a teenager and they treat God in the same manner? We are just too smart for God, right? God gives us everything, but we plan on doing our own thing. And if God warns us, we think to ourselves, that won't happen to me because someone taught me or my favorite preacher says, or there's this book I read, or just because I say so. Like the dreaded teenager, many people, especially many adults, go through life thinking that reality is dependent on their opinion and that everything will be fine because they say so or because they believe so. Some super-Christians believe that their faith will change everything, that their faith is so strong that everything will be fine because they believe they have strong faith. Ladies and gentlemen, strong faith in Christ is not based on opinion nor on God backing your ideas and your goals. God rewards our faith when we do as he says, when we look to do his will, not our will. So you can think you have all the faith in the world, such that you think that you can even move mountains. But if your faith is not subject to the lordship of Jesus Christ, you are not only drifting off the road, but rather you are flying off the cliff and into the rocks of destruction. This is one of the major fallacies that are taught in many places where so-called preachers or ministers teach faith in a completely different light to what the Word of God says. And they use Bible passages to substantiate their demonic doctrines. Their doctrines and teachings can be considered demonic because everything that does not align with the sound teachings of the Bible comes from Satan and his agents of evil. That's why we need to be very careful with what we listen to or read. Don't be surprised. Satan knows the Bible very well. He tried even using it on Christ when he tried to tempt him. And he said things that seem like the truth to try to make Christ veer off the path. In order for something to be true, for a teaching to be considered sound doctrine, it must agree with the Bible as a whole. There is no passage that is a standalone. That is why we need to see the whole counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation and everything, absolutely everything is subject to the Lordship of Christ. The moment we're looking to do what we want to do is the moment we start veering off the path. It must always be His will, His way. Jesus being the only begotten Son of God prayed to His Father, Thy will be done, Your will be done. Jesus didn't come to fulfill his will on earth. He came to do the Father's will. 
This is why we need to take seriously the warnings of the Bible, that it is not all easy and carefree and don't worry about a thing. We can never take our relationship with Christ for granted. We need to remain, to abide, to cling on to Christ, to retain the Lord as the Lord of our lives in a very practical and real way. And one of the ways we do that is by learning from other people's past sins. John chapter 15 verse 1 to 6 says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Is it starting to become clearer? We need to abide in Christ. We need to stay the course. We need to do the will of the Father. The only way we will be able to abide in Christ is if we treat Him as we should, as the Lord of our lives. And as the Lord of our lives, He desires for there to be fruit. True faith in Christ produces a product, something that God and other people can see. If we don't produce fruit, then we become useless to God. And if we become useless to Him, then what good are we to Him? See how careful we need to be? Do you understand that you cannot take your salvation, this costly and incredible gift you have been given through faith in Christ lightly? We were made with a purpose in mind. Every single human being was created for a specific purpose and reason to exist. And if we don't come to fulfill that purpose, then we can easily be discarded. That is the truth. We're not saved just because and to just live in a way that suits us, looking to only fulfill human desires and goals. And so, how do we bear fruit? And how do we become useful to the Lord in a very practical and real manner? Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 25 tells us this. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I told you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so, if we practice sin, we will become useless to God. We will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's as simple as that. 
The practice of sin occurs when we have lost focus on the Lord and become focused on the sinful desires of our flesh. When we veer off course, we get off course when we do not treat the Lord as the Lord in our lives. When we start becoming focused on our goals, our desires, when we start setting our eyes on earthly things, that is how it starts. It doesn't happen overnight and it does not start with doing awful and terrible things. It's very subtle. It's a, like a process. When we think on the Lord, when we think on the eternal future, that is when our focus is in the right direction. And the only way that this happens is when we walk in the Spirit, when we let the Holy Spirit guide our steps, when we ask the Lord what we should be doing rather than going ahead and do what we think is right or right for us. And what shows or exhibits that we are on the right path is the fruit of the Spirit. And this is how we know that something good is happening in our lives and also how other people start seeing Christ in our lives because they are seeing His characteristics in us. They start to see true love, not worldly love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what the Holy Spirit of God produces in every life that is subject to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If other things are in operation and prevalent in our lives, then something is wrong. There is a problem. That means that sin is somehow starting to take over and it must be stopped. That's why we must be vigilant, watchful, and careful because our worst enemy lives within us and that is sin. We have a battle with ourselves. Satan is a problem. The world is a problem. But our worst enemy, our greatest nemesis, is the sin that dwells within our very beings. And it is incredibly subtle. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 to 31, gives us this very clear warning and why we should be so careful. For it says, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Willful sinning is synonymous to the practice of sin. We all sin. Every day, all the time. It's sad, but true. But the difference between sinning and willful sinning or the practice of sin is when sin becomes a lifestyle. We have to be careful with all sin because the practice of sin doesn't start right away. It subtly can turn from sinning or making mistakes or having stupid moments to willful or practicing sin if we let it become a habit. And the habit starts, like every habit, when we are not careful, when we take our eyes off the Lord and put our eyes in the things of the world and on ourselves. Jesus should always be our goal, our focus, our purpose, our reason, our everything. Everything else should be a very distant second place 
even if they seem to be good things. If we are not careful, we can even turn God's blessings into evil if we lose focus on priorities. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said this, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword, for I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. We are to love our family, to take care of them, but they can never have first place. And of course, you can never put your job or your career or possessions or your hobbies or anything else like that ahead of your family. And these are all good things. They are blessings, but they can never have first place in our lives. God needs to be the priority 100% of the time. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 teaches us this also. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How do you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? You occupy yourself with the Lord. You seek after Him. You give Him the priority over everything. You are mindful of what He wants you to do, of what opinion He has of you. You stay focused on your love relationship with Him by not taking Him for granted, but rather keeping Him at the forefront of everything. Everything should center around Him and never the other way around. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Salvation through Christ is based on God's grace and faith, but these can never be taken for granted. And because of the incredible value of God's gift of salvation, we need to bear in mind why He gave us what He did give us. What is the reason, the why? God is the most logical being in existence. There is no one more logical and mindful than God. God always has a purpose in mind. And so, as it is written, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. These should all be compelling reasons for why we should be mindful of all of the examples we are given in the Bible, starting with the examples of the Old Testament. We can never, ever think that the Old Testament is not applicable anymore. That is a lie and an error. If we were to do away with the Old Testament, then we do away with everything we have through Christ today. There would be no account of creation, no examples of interaction or relationship between the Lord and man, no faith, no truth, no hope for the Messiah. Christ would have had nothing to fulfill because He Himself said this, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. And so we need to look at the Bible as a whole, as the entire counsel of God to man from Genesis to Revelation. 
Therefore, we must look at what happened in the past so we can learn from it and not commit those sins today. We can never discount the experiences that were left for us to see in the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. The Bible may be separated between Old Testament and New Testament, but it is all one holy Bible, one Word of God, fully inspired by God and written by men, by people who were guided by the Lord Himself. The Word of God is a source for everything that is vital and essential to our lives, and it touches every aspect of our lives, both our physical experiences as well as how to be ready for the eternity that is still ahead of us. The Lord left written examples of the Old Testament so we can learn from them, so we can take in the good that is there and apply it and also learn from the bad and evil things that happened before so we can steer away from those things and not have to go through our own bad and evil experiences. God wants us to learn from other people's experiences, especially from those he left written because there are specific things he wants for us to pay attention to for our own good. Their life experiences were left in the Word of God because someone was watching them. As we read of them, we form part of those that are seeing them also. It's amazing how many people are seeing them, right? Not just the people that saw them back then, but also us today, and there will be more in the future. We need to be mindful of what we do because whether we understand it or not, the book of our lives is also being written at this very moment. And there are people all around us, starting with God Himself. This is probably the most valuable example we have of those from the past. We need to keep in mind that someone is watching us also. The Lord is watching. The angels are watching. Satan is also watching, along with his demons. Our family is watching. Our friends are watching. Our co-workers are watching. Our neighbors are also watching. There is an incredible group of people that see and hear what we do. So think about this as we think through their example. What are people seeing in your life? All those witnesses that surround you? Because if people were watching before, they are surely watching now, especially God. What is God seeing in your life right now? Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you. I thank you, Lord God, for your word and for all of the different examples, Lord God, you have left in your word so that we can learn from them, Lord God. Because, Lord God, it is not necessary for us to commit our own mistakes. We can avoid that. We can avoid making all the, the wrong things that other people have done in the past. Help us, O oh Lord, to be mindful of your word, to seek after your word, Lord God, to look into what are written in, in, in each page, Lord God, and, and try to understand it, O oh Lord, and try to see how your word applies to our lives, especially, Lord God, the experiences of other people that were before us. Heavenly Father, thank you because you didn't leave us aimlessly just wandering in this world, but rather you gave us your instruction, your word, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help us to understand the incredible value of the history that are written in the pages of your word. And Heavenly Father, help us to understand, Lord God, that that is left there so that ultimately we can be blessed, so that we can understand what is right and what is wrong. 
and so that we can also be a blessing to others that are around us. I give you thanks again for your word, for your blessed word, Lord God, and for the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, O Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.